Rita is a Los Angeles-based reseller and small business owner. She operates Cali Thrift Queen, a woman of color-owned secondhand online shop with storefronts on Poshmark, Mercari, eBay, and Depop. She has had a passion for thrifting for many years, and she started in high school. She loved finding unique pieces with colorful, fun patterns that stood out. She started reselling part-time during law school to declutter and offset some school-related expenses. We cover a lot of ground in our episode with Ida today. We chat about her reselling journey, her passion for social justice issues related to the fashion industry, and how she uses her reselling journey to challenge the fast fashion industry and the idea that we constantly need the newest material things. Keep listening for a new episode from Thanks, It's Thrifted with Dina and Shannon. Just a quick heads up, there's a little bit of background noise in the beginning of the episode that we couldn't avoid or cut out. So if you hear a little bit of background noise, you're not imagining. It will go away soon, though. Keep listening. Welcome, Ida. Thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to chat with you. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's going great. We met on Instagram. Um, You sent me a message and you said that you also grew up in Jordan, right? No, I said that I was Jordanian. You mentioned to me, I think, that you grew up in Jordan. And have you ever lived there or visited or anything? I've just visited family like uh, twice. Yeah, but I've never lived there. I was so mm-hmm. excited when you told me that because anytime I get to meet somebody from back home, it's it's super exciting. And we have a lot in common. You're a thrifter. You're a reseller. You're into a lot of social justice issues. And I think what makes your content really interesting is that so you bring the, the thrifting piece of it, the reselling, and then you bring in a lot of issues kind of related to things that impact all of us, a lot of social justice issues, as well as issues that impact the resale industry and the fashion industry. You just recently graduated from law school? Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. So I actually started reselling during law school, but I've been thrifting since way back, like since I would say like over 10 years now, like since high school, it kind of started out like out of necessity. And then it just became like more of a habit throughout college. I thrifted, never thought to like resell things, but I'd always like find really great pieces at the thrift store that like weren't my size. And it would be like such a bummer to like let them go. Mm-hmm. And so once I was in law school, my friend was using Poshmark to declutter her closet. And I like had never heard of Poshmark. And I was like, oh, like, tell me more about it. And she's like, yeah, I'm just using it to like sell whatever I have like that I like haven't worn that I don't necessarily want to donate because I do think it's like worth something. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, well. I'll look into Poshmark and see if like I have stuff for my own closet that I like just want to, even if I make a few bucks on it, just want to like resell. So it started out that way. And then I was like, hmm, like, I wonder if I like, I go to thrift stores anyway. I wonder if I start picking up those pieces that I'd like normally leave behind and see if I could like find an audience for it or find somebody who'd be like willing to buy it from me. And in terms of flipping for a profit, In the beginning, it started out like in very like humble terms. Like I would like get stuff from like the dollar sales and like flip it for like $10, $15. And then I just realized I need to be a little bit more smart about like my time and my labor and like start to look for things that 
I could flip for like a little bit more, like bigger of a profit. So just so that it could be more sustainable for me. And that's like sort of how I just got into it. And it just like took off and it became like a small side hustle throughout law school. But then it sort of became like full time in, I guess the times where, where I'd be like in between jobs or in between internships, like it would go full time. And so right now I'm in a phase where I'm doing it full time, at least until I like pass the bar and like start my career as an attorney. And then once that happens, I'll like already have an established storefront, I guess, or like online presence where I could just make that into a side hustle again while I like focus on my career and just like sort of make my income that way or like a side income that way. It sounds like you really love being able to go to the thrift store and pick up anything that catches your eye. Yeah, it is fun. It's a creative outlet. That's for sure. I do consider myself like a creative in some ways. And so I love just being able to like see what catches my eye. Sometimes I go for items that maybe don't catch my eye, but they're like a decent brand or they're made of a certain material that I like don't want to end in a landfill like leather, for example. But like other times I just pick stuff up based off of if it just like looks really cute to me and I want to share this like piece with somebody somewhere. That's exactly the reason why I started as well. I, I started because I would thrift all the time and I'm like, man, this is really hard to leave behind somebody who maybe doesn't have access to this thrift store, access to this type of clothing or this price point. So that's what I started as well. And it's really fun to to think of what other people would like, like your audience and to pick things up for them. And especially when you have repeat customers who kind of follow what you post and they and they love your style and they love the things that you pick up. It's it's fun to shop for other people. What year did you did you start thrifting to put on Poshmark? How long have you been doing it? So that started out, I would say, in March of 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's been a couple years now. But Dina, you mentioned something about accessibility that was like really interesting. And that's like something that I'm also like really passionate about. It's the idea of making items accessible to people who like otherwise wouldn't have access to the things that you find. Whether that means like geographically, like they're not like in LA and LA is Los Angeles. That's where I'm from is like one of the best places in the world to thrift, right? Like there's thrift stores everywhere and there's like such an abundance everywhere. And then there could be somebody who like kind of lives in an area that maybe doesn't have that many thrift stores and it just makes it more accessible to them. And something else that's really important to me is the idea of make plus size clothes or like making sure my closet is size inclusive because I I consider myself to be like plus size. And I know like the struggle of like walking into even a regular store, not even necessarily a thrift store, right? A regular store and trying to find trendy, cute, like plus size clothes that are like flattering and like speak to me and aren't just like baggy, like you know, like potato stuff that I like put over mm-hmm. myself and just try to hide myself in. And so that's always been a struggle growing up. And so even like when I thrift, it's like hard to find plus size, cute plus size clothes while I thrift. So I can't imagine what it's like if it's difficult here in LA, what it would be like for somebody outside of LA. And so a rule that I always like tell myself every time I like thrift to resell is to always pick up at least one plus size item just to make sure that my closet is always like stocked with plus size clothes and just making that making sure that my closet is size inclusive and making sure that plus size clothes are accessible in my closet. How do you deal with not wanting to keep the cute plus size clothes that you find? Because it is limited. And It's really hard as a reseller in general to not want to keep all the things, but especially when it comes to plus size and mid-size clothing, when you find something really nice, you're like, oh, I really 
I kind of want this for myself because, you know, it's hard to find these things. So how do you find that balance? I 100% was going to ask the exact same question because I was like, how are you not keeping all the cool things? So actually, this answer might be a little disappointing, but I actually do keep (laughs) my size if I really love it. Like I put it on and I think to myself, like, will I actually wear this in the next few months? Is this something that I could maybe wear a few times, get some joy out of it and then resell it? Because it's secondhand anyway. So whether or not I use it a few times, like it'll still be hopefully in like good condition, like when I ultimately do resell it. And just like knowing the struggle for myself of like finding cute clothes, cute plus size clothes, I know how rare it is to come by. So yeah, if it fits me nicely, and it's my size, I'll keep it. Otherwise, like I'll resell it. So like, I don't get all of my secondhand clothes through thrifting, I get a lot of it through Poshmark and Mercari Mm -hmm. and like, supporting other resellers who are doing the same thing. So yeah, I, I keep it in circulation. But like this, this dress, for example, I thrifted it. And like, I love it. And I can't let it go. Like not yet. Like I, I get so much use out of it. I like to keep what fits me and what's flattering. I remember back when we we started this podcast, it was like, a little bit tough for me to go online and thrift because I felt like I wasn't thrifting. And then all of it blew up online, like Poshmark and Shop Goodwill. And and then I started to purchase things from online. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really cool. Like, because I'm plus size. And I'm like, I actually have a variety of things to pick from where I'm not used to that, especially different designs and things that are trendy. I'm not used to having trendy things. Like, even when we very first were talking about fast fashion and stuff, and I was like, what do you mean you wear something and then, like, you get rid of it? I don't understand. Like, I wear something until it gets holes in it. But it's because as a plus-size person, you have, like, a different mentality. You're like, if this if this shirt fits, I'm going to get, like, every single mile out of it. Because mm-hmm. if I go back to the store, they're not going to have any more for me. You know? So it's like having all these options now is just a whole new world for plus-size people. And it's like, open my eyes for wearing different things and not being just like trapped in this JC Penny woman section where I've, you know, I had to like grow up in kind of, you know. Yeah. It really does open up a lot of opportunities for people to shop secondhand. And I think that's the really great thing about the boom and 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 rise in secondhand over the last few years. I, I know that a lot of people complain and kind of joke that, you know, thanks to TikTok and Instagram, everybody's thrifting now and everybody's taking stuff out of the thrift stores, which is not the case because there's tons and tons to go around. But I think that all of these different outlets now have really made secondhand more accessible than ever for people. Online, resellers, back to your point about accessibility, what we have here in kind of like the Midwest, Mideast region is a, a lot different probably than what your thrift stores are carrying. So being able to shop from someone like you where I will have access to brands and styles and textures and all sorts of things that we might not see a lot of here is really great, I think. I think it's just opened up so many doors for us. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your your reason and motivation for reselling. So, you know, we talked a little bit about not being able to leave things behind and and all of that. You know, beyond just making money and and being able to pay your bills and all that, what would you say is your motivation for doing it? 
aside from the fact that it's a creative outlet and it helps me pay the bills and that it's fun, I really care about challenging exploitative fast fashion practices by recirculating items that are already out there, right, in existence. There's like an intersection of like social justice and reselling that like not a lot of people talk about very often, but like we exist in like this like really hyper capitalist world where we're sort of conditioned as consumers to like not just consume, but like over consume, right? Just to buy, buy, buy for every new event, you need an outfit. Um, and like, it's this idea of just like wearing an outfit once and then disregarding it. And so with that, we're so far removed from sort of the process of how clothes even came in our possession, like in the store, like while we're shopping, right? We know almost nothing about the materials that went into actually creating the garment. We know almost nothing about what the garment workers faced in like making the garment, right? And that goes for like garment workers here domestically in the US or like even in the global South. There's so many gross labor violations that happen and we're just so far removed from that because all we care about is just like being stylish, this instant gratification, this idea of like getting the next trendy thing. And so I think the reason why I'm so drawn to reselling is because reselling really like challenges that narrative, right? It shifts the narrative and it makes us think that like items are not easily discardable and people's labor is not easily discardable. And it just shifts the attitude that people need to buy the next new thing. It just slows the demand for brand new items and it takes items Mm -hmm. that are already out there and it helps us just recirculate it so that these fast fashion companies have no choice but to you know, readjust their production levels. Because if reselling slows the demand for, you know, new items, they'll have no option except to like readjust and adapt. A lot of companies these days are even dipping their feet in the secondhand industry by like creating like portions of their website where they start to sell their own clothes that are like secondhand and they like incentivize secondhand. We talked a little bit in an older episode about how secondhand is really having a moment right now and how brands are listening to that. And we have mixed feelings about it. My question for a lot of these brands is, are they slowing down production in other ways, in other areas? So there's just so much there to explore. And I think that we're seeing changes now more than ever before. Now brands, big companies are actually starting to pay attention. But I'm just so nervous that it's just kind of like, it's greenwashing, right? Where they're, they're just slapping on that sustainability label. And then, you know, everybody feels good about it, or saying, okay, now we have a recycling arm to our to our company. So I think that resellers, thrifters, the more that we can talk about it, the more we're going to see change. And this is where my kind of frustration lies is when people continually complain that influencers and content creators are ruining it for other thrifters, and they're ruining it for thrift stores. I think we need to look deeper into that topic and say the bigger issue is at the top, right, with the production and fast fashion and this mass production of of new things that we really don't need and the labor issues that you're talking about, not just here, but obviously all over the world. So it's an, it's an important conversation that we need to keep on having. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think so many companies have been like accused of greenwashing, right? Just like they kind of just want the glory of like saying that they like care about the earth or that they care about the environment but 
in reality, they're still keeping their production levels the same. They're still mm-hmm. exploiting people. They're still like harming the earth. They're still extracting like, you know, materials to make their garments, especially like stuff that's like made out of polyester. Like they're still, you know, harming the earth in so many ways. But I do think that as like the fashion industry shifts, I, I guess I'd like to think that companies will have like no choice but to adjust eventually. Maybe not just yet. Maybe they're still in that greenwashing phase. I think eventually, like, secondhand fashion is going to overtake fast fashion. I agree. Maybe it's projected to be that way. Yeah. It's projected. Yeah, for sure. So what do we say then to just the regular person that thinks that if they, if you're out there buying all the stuff and then reselling it, there's nothing there for them? You know, like like the people who say, well, I shop at Target because I don't want to take away a, a family's uh, that that's in needs clothing okay so like I actually have heard that argument so many times especially like interestingly enough like on TikTok yeah where like TikTok is full of mostly like Gen Z and like they're considered I think to be like one of the most socially progressive generations out there and so it's it's actually deeply hurtful when I see like Gen Z people like kind of attack resellers because there's this idea that like resellers are gentrifying thrift stores. And so like my take on this has always been that there's more than enough clothes to go around, right? There's no shortage of secondhand clothes. Every single time that I've gone to the thrift store, they're like the racks are always like packed to the brim. Like there's never been a moment where I walked into a thrift store and thought, oh, like there's a shortage here. As resellers, we're not going in there and like buying like everything we're using our labor and time to look through several racks to find things that we think that we could save from a landfill resellers the majority of us at least are working class i would venture out to say that like the vast majority are actually working class the the number of resellers that are making these like huge six-figure salaries are such a small minority of resellers you know the most of us are working class people and like most of us are doing it sustainably like we're shopping just to have inventory in our closets and like resell to pay the bills. I think it's an honest way to pay the bills. I think thrifting to resell, there are ways that you can be conscious about how you do it ethically. Like, so for example, not hoarding. So there's resellers that maybe go to thrift stores and buying like so much abundance and they have these giant death piles. That's what they call them, like death piles that they like don't go through and don't actually process and they just keep thrifting and thrifting and thrifting. And then at that point, that kind of becomes unsustainable and that like amounts to hoarding, right? But I think if somebody's just buying and like listing it right away and continuously doing that to like try to like pay the bills, nobody's getting filthy rich off of reselling. There's no shortage of secondhand clothes out there. I do I do believe that this is just going to kind of be one of the core ways that we shop. So the resale industry period is booming and it's not going to go anywhere. It's really the next wave of of shopping. And as more and more people become more conscious of sustainability, I mean, the pandemic completely shifted the way that people shop. More shoppers are more willing to shop secondhand now than they ever have. So it's going to take time for us as consumers and really as companies and brands to shift our thinking on this. I think it's really important to like ask the people who like kind of come for resellers in that way to like think of like what's the alternative, right? It's like either you, I personally would rather support a reseller, an ordinary person running a small business out of their home 
and like helping them make some profit and sustain themselves rather than like line the pockets of like a major corporation's CEO. You know what I mean? Like, like if you look at the alternative, like, okay, let's say that resellers just stopped altogether. They stopped what they were doing. They stopped thrifting to resell. They just only resold what was in their closets and like everything else was just there in the thrift stores. I just think in the long run, like more clothes are just going to end up in landfills. At the end of the day, like we're all just trying to survive under capitalism. And I'd rather support a regular person reselling out of their home than a major corporation. That's just how I feel. Right. The idea of resale, whether you are a professional reseller or just a regular person selling your own personal things, the idea of resale keeps things in circulation and keeps items out of landfills because just because you donate something does not necessarily mean that it's going to get purchased locally. Thrift stores cannot possibly sell all of the donations that they receive. So a lot of what we donate could end up as you said, in a landfill or shipped off to the global south, to another country, to another secondhand market. We have a couple episodes that I want to plug that really dig deep into this topic. One is called What Happens to the Stuff You Donate? And the other one is called Just Say No to Free T-Shirts. And we talk a little bit about it too in an episode called It's Time to Go on a Fast Fashion Diet. So check all of those out. So funny because in my head I'm thinking, what would my parents-in-law say? They'd probably be like, if you're if you're saying like we wouldn't we wouldn't go to the thrift store and we'd just go purchase things at a regular box store, then they'd think, oh, that'd be like the eighties. Hmm. But in the eighties, we didn't have three different falls coming out, three different fashion falls coming out. We didn't have five different winter fashions coming out at Target. Fast fashion didn't exist back then. People had places here where they made clothes. I think it's just such a different world. We can't even compare it to something in the past because this has never happened before. We've never had clothes coming out Mm -hmm. and to the point where like we think we need a new outfit every single week because there's something new at the store every single week. I think it's just such a different world that we can't even stop to try to compare it to the past. Yeah. And Shannon, you're absolutely right. Comparing it to what we used to do doesn't make sense because fast fashion is not going to be able to keep up with the secondhand resale. And when I say secondhand, I don't just mean traditional thrift stores. I mean resale stores online and e-commerce and individuals and eBay and Poshmark and all of those things together. The resale industry as a whole is going to be the norm. It's going to be the future. I mean, we've been using the hashtag the future is thrift for several years now. And it's really about to be true. Like this is going to be the future of of the fashion industry. And another thing I wanted to point out, there are a couple things. First of all, reselling is not new. People have been reselling for decades. The only thing that's really different now, yes, more people are doing it. But also, we didn't have a platform back then. It's been going on for a long time. We just haven't been able to talk about it on social media. And so it's not a new concept. I just think people are having a hard time understanding the concept who have never come across it before. Um, number two, I along the same lines with social media and having a platform to share your reselling business, I think that's one of the things that makes it very appealing. So people 
get to know you as the seller and they get to know your style and they want to buy from you because they trust you and they trust your eye. People love that. It's kind of like, you know, shopping from your favorite small brick and mortar small business in your in your town. That relationship is just amazing. Maybe they don't have the patience for it or they don't have the eye for it or they don't have the time. I have a, a customer that works Monday through Friday, can only thrift maybe once a month. So creating that connection, I think, has been one of the greatest things that has come out of e-commerce resale. Because I love to see, I love to see what you're thrifting on the other side of the country and, you know, what you're finding and what you're sharing and how it appeals to your personal style. That's just such a great component of it. Yeah. Let's play a quick game of true or false reseller edition. Sure. So this will help people kind of understand the logistics and uh, all the nuts and bolts that go into sourcing for your store, listing, So true or false, high retail value equals high resale value. That's absolutely false. I think almost any reseller (laughs) would tell you that. If I could elaborate on that, I'd just say like there are certain brands that like still come to mind when I think of that. So when I was a baby reseller, I did fall into that trap of like, oh my God, this this originally retailed for like $250. Like I'm absolutely picking this up. I'll sell it for like 200 or 150 or like even 100. And then like, it'll just sit in my closet and sit and sit and sit. And then eventually it'll sell for like 20 bucks or $25. And it'll just like blow my mind. Like how did this item that had such a high original retail price resell for so little and I don't really have an answer to why that is I mean there's brands like current Elliott theory joie those are the ones that like really come to mind because there was a moment in time where if I would find that in the thrift store I would be like so happy like oh my gosh I scored like I found theory like theory goes for like hundreds of dollars you know and theory has good quality clothes that's why it still like kind of surprises me that like the resale value for some reason has gone down a theory that I have is like pun intended uh-huh. <laughs> is that if an if a brand like ends up in like major like liquidation stores mm-hmm. like Ross, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, I feel like those types of brands typically have high retail value, low resale value, just because they become so oversaturated in the market and then they just become so much easier to find. And I feel like that maybe drives down the price. I'm not sure. But yeah, if you're a new reseller, just because you find something that has a high retail value does not necessarily mean that it'll resell for a lot. You should definitely do your research and look up comps before you decide whether to pick it up. I have a current Elliott skirt right next to me in my tote that has not (laughs) moved in over a year. Like, I don't know why I'm holding on to it. I just need to donate it. Theory, I had one theory item sell really well. So then I was like, I'm going to pick up all the theory. And then I could not give this other piece away. Like it just sat for so long. I was just like, somebody just please buy it for $5. I don't even care. So I'm so, I was like chuckling to myself when you mentioned both those brands because I cannot relate more. Those two specific ones have just given me such a hard time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. True or false. Item descriptions are just as important as good photos. I think that's true. I think a whole listing from top to bottom needs to be in as best as best condition as you can possibly make it, right? So in order for something to sell, you want 
the person who's like viewing the listing to like have all their questions answered to the point where they don't even need to comment or message you and ask you a question. Like you want the, the questions to already be answered in your item description. Pictures are obviously important because that's like the first thing that, that people see when they look at your listing, right? Um, you want to make sure the pictures are like well lit, they're appealing, they capture like every inch of the item. But item descriptions are so important. It's important for it to like come up in search results when people like actually look for the item. And it's also just important because yeah, like you just want all their questions to be answered, especially if they're like an impulsive shopper and they just want to like buy right away and they don't want to go through the hassle of commenting and asking for measurements or asking for something that you might not have already put in the description. And then to just like wait for your response and then they might have just like moved along to somebody else who like already had that in their description or somebody else who responded quicker. So I like to say use up as many, if not all of the characters that are given to you as you like possibly can, like be as descriptive as you possibly can, but also don't overdo it to the point where like you're wasting so much time creating and crafting like the perfect item description to the point where it's like slowing you down and preventing you from like listing efficiently because you also want to put out as many listings as you can and if you're spending like 15 minutes on a listing that's also not like a efficient use of your time right and then adding all that extra fluff i will gloss right over it i like all of the information that i need to know the brand the color the size the condition the measurements but then when start people start adding extra fluff like perfect for an evening in the sunset with i'm just like I, don't paint the picture for me. Thank you. I got it. I just I need I need all the details. So I don't have to ask you any questions. But I I know that 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 information is good for SEO. It helps it come up in search, you know, somebody searching for, you know, beach or whatever. It's it's kind of like those recipes where you're like, Oh, my God, I have to read the life story first. But that's all for SEO. Okay, yeah. True Mm -hmm. or false? More followers on social media equals more sales in your shop followers like you mean like on instagram and more sales in poshmark or do you mean like if you have more instagram followers you have more instagram sales like let's say poshmark okay so i don't think your instagram following correlates whatsoever to your poshmark success and i don't think even your follower count on poshmark itself correlates to poshmark success i think when people first start out on poshmark they think oh like i want to get like a hundred thousand followers or more or whatever and so they'll just follow a bunch of accounts in hopes that they'll get followers for their Poshmark closet and honestly that like that has not affected my sales like whatsoever I think really it comes down to do you do you have things in your closet that people actually want to buy and are your pictures clear are your descriptions good um are your prices decent and all of that will go into the success of your closet but how many followers you have whether it's on Poshmark or Instagram, doesn't correlate to more sales. However, a lot of resellers have been um, sort of shifting in a way where they have pre-sales on Instagram, where like before things will drop on Poshmark, they'll show their Instagram followers either through like a live sale or just through stories. And they'll get people to like buy um, their items like in a pre-sale, right? For like a discounted price. And I do think that having a higher follower count in that way on Instagram does correlate to more sales because it's just more eyes on your items. So it depends on who your who your audience is. If it's Poshmark cus- like buyers or if it's like Instagram buyers. I have one more that's not on our list. True or false, there is no demand for mall brands on platforms like Poshmark 
or eBay? I think that's false. And that's because, first of all, it depends on the mall brand. Second of all, it depends on the trend. Like it depends if it's like an outdated trend or if it's still like sort of um, trendy. And it just depends on the price point. So the reason why mall brands are just so hard to sell is because they're already cheap to begin with. And they're made in such huge abundance that chances are there's like 20 other people listing the same item in the same size. So typically like mall brands are oversaturated and it's hard to make a profit on them. However, if you're able to pick it up for like super cheap, 50 cents, a dollar, maybe $2 max, I think you can definitely sell it. And I think that if it's plus size, especially Torrid, Torrid is one, if not my number one seller in my closet, despite it being a mall brand, right? But like, I'm very much reluctant to pick up like Forever 21 or like Hollister. Like those are brands that I typically stay away from. But when I find Torrid, I actually get really happy. Like I think Torrid, despite it being a mall brand, I'll almost always pick it up if it's in good condition and a good price point. It must be the the styles I'm picking up. I could not give Torrid away for free. I actually stopped picking it up unless it's like a dollar. So you must have better styles that you're picking up or, you know, sizes, all of those things. Torrid just makes me crazy. One that sells so well for me is J. Crew. I know J. Crew gets a lot of crap online, J. Crew and Madewell from a lot of resellers. Those are two of my best selling uh, mall brands. Oh, I don't know if Madewell is considered a mall brand. Yeah, I think J. Crew is, it could be hit or miss for me. Madewell, same with Madewell, even though I don't really consider Madewell a mall brand. Yeah. And then like with Torrid, I think, yeah, it just depends on the style and stuff. But I also noticed that Torrid tends to do a lot better on like Mercari hmm. and eBay, but mostly like it, it gets the most traffic on Mercari for some reason, more so than like Poshmark, for me at least. So this is why you can't just take everything that you see online and just apply it to your business plan and to your strategy because it's not the same. It's not the same. I think a lot of times when people follow reselling content online, there's a lot of pressure to buy specific brands. There's so many factors. You know, a lot of times people will create content like five brands I'm not picking up at the thrift store anymore. And then you see that and you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to pick that up either. But it, you just have to, you have to take all those other things into consideration. Because I see Madewell on those lists all the time. And I'm like, I'm not passing it up. It sells for me every single time. I always pick up Madewell jeans. Um, I think the things that I'm like kind of overlooking for Madewell lately has been like dresses. Unless it's like super cheap. It's like just sort of been hard for me to to sell Madewell dresses. And also just like plain like plain tops, plain right. Madewell squares. Those are a little bit harder for me to to jeans, but jeans do really jeans well. Like, I think it's my best selling jeans brand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I almost yeah. always pick up Madewell jeans. That's cool. So or obviously I'm not a reseller. That's why I'm so quiet right now. <laughs> well, you're, you're a home goods reseller. She, she teaches me all about selling vintage housewares. I don't know anything Ooh. about that. What would you say is your absolute favorite thing to source? Could be a category, a brand, style, other than Torrid getting your heart rate pumping. Is there anything that just really gets you excited? So a certain brand that I just love to resell, like I love, love, love finding Johnny Was Mm -hmm. and finding Bell. And I guess those are my like, my most favorite, like Johnny was and spell just because I like that like boho vibe. Yeah. In terms of a category, I think that 
Shoes and dresses are what I gravitate most towards. Shoes because it's really easy, just like kind of walk through and like scan the aisle and you don't have to dig through a bunch of things to find um, something that you can sell. You can just sort of like look and scope it out. And also shoes are just super easy to photograph, to store. Everybody needs shoes. Shoes typically sell like fairly quickly. Um, And then dresses, just because I personally like love dresses. It's like the majority of my closet are dresses. Even if it's in the middle of winter, Mm -hmm. I almost always go to dresses like right after shoes. Shannon, that's all you. I was waiting for you to say, sounds like my thrift trip. (laughs) A hundred percent. It is so much. Yes, I love both of those things. Shoes is always my number one, especially when you're saying in the middle of winter, that's when you're going to find the good stuff because people are like cleaning out their closets and not caring about dresses because people aren't wearing them. So that's probably when you find the really good stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I just have to circle back to that accessibility comment again, because you mentioned one of your favorite brands to source is Spell. I thrift every week, multiple times a week. I have never found Spell in Ohio. So I was going to say, I didn't even know what that was, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really cool that I can, you know, buy it secondhand from a reseller like you or, you know, somebody like you, even if it's still new with tags. Me, it's find. Like even in LA, it's like super hard to find. I've only found it like a very small handful of times. But still, yeah. I found it zero times. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's always fun to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a very important question for you. And it's less on the thrift side, more on the sustainability side. Have you been to Big Bud Press? And is it your favorite store in America? No, I've never actually heard of it. Okay. It's in LA. It's in LA. You got to go. I've never been able to go. It's look it up. It's just the coolest. What is it called? Oh, it's called Big Bud Press. Okay. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's got it's really bold, fun colors, Retro. like funky. Everything's made with sustainable fabric and practices, and it's it's a cool place. I'll look I'll look into it for sure. Yes, yes. People going out to LA like have certain touristy attractions they want to see. Shannon's like, I just want to go to Big Bud Press. Yep. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and I'm kind of mad because now they have one in Palm Springs, and I actually went to Palm Springs once, but they just opened. Sorry. There's one in Chicago. Like, I, oh. that's not even that far away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should take a road trip. That's not far. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever use the gift card I gave you? I still have been hoarding it. Like, I keep looking at things. And is it worth it? I don't know. Is it <laughs> worth it? I don't know. I know. I'm, I'm ridiculous. I just wanted to wrap it up by asking, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to start reselling? I have like so many pieces of advice, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is to like really, really take time to build your brand knowledge. I think that'll like take you far. And I think that's just something that comes with like time and experience. You don't like really have it like right away. And also just to like figure out how to search comps more than anything. Um, If you're trying to get into reselling, like a lot of people just kind of go into it thinking as long as the item is cheap, I can resell it. Mm -hmm. And they think like, oh, well, if I think this is a good brand, then I'm going to try to resell it. Like that, the biggest brand that I can think of that I mistakenly thought was like a golden brand was like Michael Kors. Like when I first started reselling, for some reason, I thought Michael Kors was like a really, really like high end brand for some reason. And so anytime I would find it, I would think that I hit the jackpot, you know, and it's, it's just like that wasn't the case. So don't really necessarily just go off of like what you think are good brands, like actually do your research 
and go based off of the research. Like actually search comps when you're in store, um, look up and see, you know, how much competitors are like listing the same item for and the same size and condition and just see that, see whether or not you can like make some sort of profit off of it. You just kind of have to trust your gut, but also back it up with research. Yeah. And just have fun. That's like the biggest, that's the biggest piece of advice is to just like have fun with it because reselling is such, such a fun experience. I agree. On the more serious side, do you have any resources where people can go to learn more about some of the issues that you talk a lot about specifically the labor exploitation issues? Yeah, so there's one that I follow on my Cali Thrift Queen page, Fash underscore Rev. And there's also Fash underscore Rev USA. And I think that's like a pretty reputable, I guess, Instagram page that you can follow to like learn about labor practices and fast fashion and all of that stuff. And then I guess my <laughs> my page, because I post about it every now and then, um, Cali Thrift Queen. Great. Where can everybody find you online? Tell us where you sell your super cool stuff and where we can follow you. So I'm on Instagram at Cali Thrift Queen and Poshmark also Cali Thrift Queen. Mercari, it's a little bit harder to find. All of my storefronts are linked if you just go to www.calithriftqueen.com and it's like a link tree. I sell on Poshmark, eBay, Mercari, and Depop. Yeah, no longer tradesy. And a little bit on Facebook Marketplace, but not really much on Facebook either. Well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. So good to meet you. It's good to meet you too. <laughs> Hopefully you guys can like come out to LA and I can take you thrifting here and we can go to Big Bud. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> We've had two LA thrifters back to back on the podcast and it sounds like we need to start a little club. 100%. <laughs> It's fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Thanks It's Thrifted with Dina and Shannon. For episode show notes, go to dinasdays.com slash podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at thanksitsthrifted.pod. I'm also on Facebook at Dina's Days. Thanks It's Thrifted podcast is now accepting sponsors for the 2022 season. If your business is interested in reaching listeners around the world, reach out to us at hello at dinasdays.com for more information.